Hello there. This is an incoming transmission from the Outer Rim Beacon. Everything leading up to this moment has been rehearsal. The real performance is about to begin. I'm counting on it. Ladies and gentlemen, you have now tuned in to the Outer Rim Beacon, your frequency for everything in that galaxy far, far away. Uh, I'm Justin, I'm one of the hosts here. Joining me today, as always, are my co-hosts. This is Josh, and uh, welcome to another meeting of the Thrawn Boys. <laughs> uh, this is Kyle, and I am hoping that you guys had a nice Thanksgiving and you ate a bunch of food and... That we are going to talk some Star Wars before we have to go back to stupid work tomorrow. Yeah, I know. I know. Nobody wants to go back to work after. So this is a nice uh, weekend bookend to the weekend, though the holiday yeah. weekend. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Getting together with um, my Star Wars friends, Josh. I asked. Uh, right I asked Kyle before uh, before we got on. I said, "Did you partake in any?" Black Friday Star Wars holiday shopping. Um, anything you purchased? I did buy some Black Friday stuff. Was any of it Star Wars related, though? Hmm. I don't uh-huh. think I. I don't think so. No. Okay. Fake fan. <laughs> well, I did just buy two hot toys like right before. That's <laughs> true. So. Yeah. That will uh that will set the budget back a little bit, but they got the layaway. They got the layaway, which is nice. So. See, here's what here's plan. what you do, Kyle. Mm-hmm. You buy something really expensive that's not Star Wars related, and then figure out a way to make it Star Wars related. So, like for instance, I bought a very expensive orange bass guitar, but now that bass guitar's name is Chopper. Okay, because it's like orange. It. Maybe you, you need go. to get a a strap that pulls the whole Chopper theme together in some way. I don't know right now, it has a glow in the dark skeleton strap, but I'm looking. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, nice. I don't play bass guitar, but uh, you know that's on the table, I guess. <laughs> I could sell you one. We did just get our our photograph taken with one Billy D. Lando Calrissian Williams, um, and that was actually a little pricey too. Yeah. Real, real great, uh, real warm interaction. Yeah, with Billy it was not at all Mr. like D. being Williams uh, shoved through like some cattle through some like uh, machine. There, like click next, click next. <laughs> he did say thank you or how like nice to meet you or something like that. Yeah, he was he nice. Not, he was friendly. He did were, not turn his head. Through. Yeah, they were cranking him through. <laughs> He just stayed facing forward the whole yep. time? Pretty much, Ooh. yeah. Woo! Yep. They were like, get through the pictures, people. Um, hey, but we also, hey, we also, we also got a picture with um, Ralph Macchio and William Zapka and uh, Martin Cove. Um, that's Johnny Lawrence, Daniel LaRusso, and um, Sensei Kreese. Yeah, yeah. And that was pretty that's cool. That's pretty sweet. That was cool. Yeah. A I, lot I mean, of people got that photo op. A lot. I made uh, I made Everybody Kyle there. stand by uh, the nerd so that I stood between the, the Cobra Kai guys. <laughs> Sorry, the hero. Another way to say that. Yeah, <laughs> the protagonist, <laughs> the if you nerd. will. Yeah. 
<laughs> hey man, Karate Kid. He's so Daniel right Son, okay? Like whatever. That's not an insult. That show is uh if you haven't checked out that show yet, uh if do right, no seasons, can defend. <clears throat> five <laughs> seasons, go watch. <laughs> It is a it is don't a run right show. into it, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, did they just? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I love that stand up. Um, it's so good, it's so good. <laughs> did they just announce uh, a new Karate Kid movie with Jackie Chan? Did I read that right? I mean, they yes. did one of those back in the day. Uh, well, no, like with Ralph Macchio, apparently, like partnering. They're bringing the okay, show. Hold on, is this like? Is this like? Seems like a uh, no. Vader 2024, sir. I know. Justin, <laughs> no, it was, uh, somebody fact checked. Justin, all of a sudden, acting anymore. He's unreliable. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, Justin started acting like a boomer who just started. <laughs> I know he needs Jackie an internet Chan. literacy class or something. No. <laughs> Jackie Chan to star and Ralph Macchio to star a new Karate Kid film. I'm here for it if it's multiple real. news. Right, it's real. Yeah. Hollywood Reporter, theonion.com just put out. Yeah. <laughs> um. Lots of news on it. So, uh, 2024, I think. Oh, uh, it's it's on uh, CNN and the Detroit News. I got it. Well, if it's on the Detroit yep. News, then I trust it. <clears throat> uh, and there is literally a video of the two of them announcing it on what is this Today Show? Look, Justin, you can <laughs> you can beat a dead horse all you want. It's going to take one more more than one uh, a credible response out of you to to compensate for that that horrible hey man, thing. Um, you, hey man, there's a Sony Pictures. Say, is not a the Karate Kid source. global casting search video with Jackie Chan and Daniel Larusso or uh, uh, Ralph Macchio on here. So I think it's real. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. How dare you say Hodokapi is not a credible news source? Kyle, I uh, oh, I, I hey, you want to hear you want to hear something? I just read that that blows my mind. What? What's that? What do you think the age difference is between Jackie Chan and Ralph Macchio? Ooh, uh, that's not that great. Ten years less. Seven. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wasn't far off. It's still Not weird bad. though because one of them's like been an adult in my brain my whole life, and one of them, <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, you know, yeah, <laughs> no. And J- Jackie's only Jackie's sixty nine. Nice. And uh, Macho nice. is sixty two. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I gotta um, say, as someone who was within a couple feet of him just a few weeks ago, Ralph Macho is looking pretty good for sixty two. Yeah. No offense to my dad, who does not listen to the podcast, so it's fine to say he's about that same age and does not look as good as Ralph Macchio. Aww. <laughs> Sorry. Doesn't have that karate kid in, money either for whatever, dietitians uh, and trainers and shit. But. He's, he's apparently tapped into the same fountain of youth that uh, Paul Rudd has tapped into. So Yeah, mind, mindfulness don't and age physical exercise. Who <clears> knew? <throat> Yeah, I think you yeah. know the weird thing about. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they've still done some stuff, but like the the thing that's crazy about these two guys still like looking good, looking good, and looking young is that Keep as opposed pants. to Paul Rudd, who who's been actively working, like what have they been doing? You know, they haven't been mm-hmm. waiting for that call. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, Ralph Macchio had that whole used car 
uh, business that he was doing. So, okay, <laughs> whatever. Um, I don't know. I'm afraid now we're making a movie with Jackie Chan. Are we? This is a. This is just a Karate Kid slash Cobra Kai podcast now. Uh, are we do? Are we doing too much <laughs> with this um, beloved franchise from my youth? Like, is this how insane are we going to go with with the Karate Kid stuff now? Well, what they're they're connecting the they're connecting this the original and the remake. To, does that mean we're going to get Jaden too? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a. I'm about to say something crazy. It wasn't like Hillary Swank or something in that movie? She okay. was. Whew. She was, was in the next Karate Kid. That one was yep. still with Miyagi. Okay. I was swinging was for the, the fences with, the... with that because I'm like, man, this oh, is going to yeah. be a big miss if this is wrong. But, <laughs> uh, and I you're think, right. I think she's the, she is like the only person that's still alive that was in like the original movies like the ones with pat Morita that has like, not shown up in the that hasn't shown up in the show yep oh, like geez. old girlfriends old other people from cobra kai the villain from number two like the the villain from number three like every there there's Who does number two work for uh major snub to hillary swank Jeez, you heard it here first i would bet it's her yeah, she's probably not available That's, or not into yeah. it or who even knows. Was that movie well-received, the one she did? I don't think mm, so. Well, I don't think the third the third one and the fourth one were like not not well-received. I don't think. Well, if the, people were shitty about it, she might the, not be like chomping at the bit to come do it again, you know, champing yeah, at the bit. Yeah. Whatever. I'm not a horse person. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it'd be cool if they got her or maybe it's just a scheduling thing. I don't know. I mean, hopefully, whatever, that'd be cool whatever if they nice get her guy. for the next the season. Has been on for like four years now. They would have figured it out. Hey, man, I'm giving to. Hillary Swank a chance here. Get get on the show. Get back in there. Now we have the whole the whole cast, the whole group back in at it. My so. my vibe on my vibe on that was it was like a Godfather three type situation. You know, mm. way after yeah. the fact. Yeah. Um. We I didn't have a lot of news and notes. to go over today so the only thing that i I did catch that kind of popped up that was kind of interesting was there was an article or an interview with um dave filoni with uh, vanity fair that had popped up on um recently um and he was talking about um balen skull and the character and, and the great job that ray did um and kind of what the future holds for that character um but uh go ahead go ahead kyle what do you got Oh, okay. Go ahead, finish. Um, I I'm not going to read the whole thing. The last part I I just wanted to read because it was it was nice of uh, Dave to kind of throw this out there. But he said, um, obviously, the, you know, talking about Ray and and uh, Balin and where the character is going. But he said, obviously, there's a story there. We're in a wait and see pattern at this point. But I'm glad the conversation is about Ray and how great he was. Um, I used to have many debates with him and say, Ray, you're the villain here, and he'd be like, I don't think so. I was like. I know you don't think so, but you are. I love that you're playing it like like you're not, which is exactly the way Balin thinks. Um, and then he says, uh, he goes on to say, I think he would have been over the moon uh, about you know the, him being a new fan favorite. Uh, the big regret here is that he didn't get to experience that. I'm glad he was at Star Wars Celebration with us, that he got to see the trailer and get a taste of that from the fans. Uh, and they've been nothing but wonderful about Ray and the character. So. 
in case you were wondering about what what's going to happen. I know we've talked about it on this show a little bit about what they're going to do with Balin, but it sounds like it's a wait and see kind of thing, and maybe they haven't fully flushed that out yet. A, I don't fully buy that. They know what they're doing. Like, I, they might still be finding an actor or 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 finalizing some details, but there's no way they just don't know what they're doing with season two yet. I, I don't fully believe that. But the the off the top of my head, I remember that I saw this past week that Dave Filoni, speaking of, got officially promoted, or it was announced at least that he was promoted to, I think they called it Chief Creative Officer at yes. Lucasfilm. Uh, so good on him. Uh, there was lots of funny memes, if you're a Dave Filoni fan. And we are. So way to go. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Are there people, people that, that don't like Dave? Because I feel like even I feel like Dave is like even is the thing that even like we and the fandom menace agree on. Like I've seen him catching some flack more like lately now that he's more involved in mainstream stuff and is he, he himself is more mainstream. I, I've noticed some more like snarky comments online, but I don't. I don't think he has haters the way like Kathleen Kennedy does or anything like that. Well, yeah, that's. I just I felt like it was always like, oh, they need to let John Favreau and Dave Filoni run Star Wars and not let mm-hmm. you know. That was always the like they can be the ones to save us from Kathy, Kathleen, whatever. I, I mean, I think they're they're all tied together. I don't. I mean. Well, no, I was saying I, what the fandom menace does is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, they. I. That's the thing is like I don't understand what the disconnect there is with well, the fandom menace. Like, the three really of them creative. are all tied together. It's like a. Yeah. Yeah. Like people are so dumb. when when they Justin, that's it. It's people are dumb. Yeah. That's. I mean, <laughs> you, just even, you don't have to be logical. What? Just, yeah. Really? Talk no way. No way. Hey, can you believe that? Uh, can you believe that U of M stole the the Ohio State signs and won that game? <laughs> that was terrible. Uh, that was actually a good. I want to see how much non Star Wars stuff we can talk about today. What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Sorry. the good news is is we're continuing the deep drive deep dive into Thrawn this week. See what you uh, did there was you went the complete <laughs> wrong route. Because I don't care about <laughs> sports, and Justin is not trying to like go off talk, topic about any single thing that you bring up. Whereas oh, I it, am, so well, no, it was perfect because I don't actually want to talk about it because I don't fully care. But I the just target. Want, I got it. I got no. The target was one jab at Justin because he's the one mm. of the three of us that cares about it. He's got to rub it in. Got to rub it in. Um, but no, I mean we're, we're continuing our deep dive with Thrawn this week, um, and we do have a lot to talk about, but we're going to condense essentially three um three episodes of rebels that um talk about thrawn contain thrawn and kind of continue his character evaluation um which were all from rebels um it's they're all season three uh one is season three episode five which was Hera's heroes um we touched on that one a little bit last week we didn't go too far into it um season three episode eight which was iron squadron and then season three, episode ten, which was an inside man, which I that's probably my favorite of the three here. But um Kyle, why don't um why don't you kind of walk us through like a high level of Hera's heroes and where we're going on Ryloth? 
Uh, Hera's Heroes for a animation fan is like a heavy hitter because uh, lots of stuff that you are familiar with from Clone Wars pops back up, like like Ryloth, and then some characters, uh, you know, Cham and Gobi Glee, and uh, that's Hera's father. Um, so th- it's really like it's really cool. There's a few different times throughout Rebels when um, there's like a major nod to Clone Wars fans, and they get to bring some of those Clone Wars characters back in. So this was a good one for that. Like, like Justin said, we're on Ryloth. Um, Hera has come in to resupply her father and his freedom fighters because Ryloth is uh, under an imperial blockade. And we open with Cham, that's Hera's father, who is also, I don't, does he have like a political title on Ryloth? Is he any kind of elected official? He's like definitely a military leader and he's definitely like a respected person, but I know he's not a senator um, I'm not sure if he's any kind of like official leader, but he's definitely like, I don't know, a figurehead of some type and she, Andy's Harris dad, but he is being chased down by the empire. The ghost swoops in, does one of their, like, get you on the fly things where they never land, but drop the, uh, <laughs> cargo bay door and, and they just kind of jump in with the Blurgs. See the Mandalorian, if you're, you may have noticed Blurgs there in season one, I think, way back when, when we were riding Blurgs. Um, and then we get to this first encounter with Hera as an adult and her, her dad. And he fills her in on what's going on. They're under a blockade. Yeah, it was really hard to sneak in. We brought you these supplies. And we find out that the Empire has taken over their hometown and her family home and everything in it. And he said he could not get anything out. Um, Which means, actually, before I get to that... um, when they jumped onto the ghost with the Blurgs, one of the uh, biker scouts that was chasing them on the bike also jumped on with him. He thought he was going to be slip, slick and chase him, but he was outnumbered like a thousand to one. And it was a great attempt. Yeah, he was mm-hmm. A for effort, but, you know, D for execution. And Zeb says, hey, Almost kid. doesn't count. <laughs> exactly. To Ezra, hey, do you have this one? No. And uh, they strip this guy of his armor because... As we mentioned in the season finale of Ahsoka, this is sort of Ezra's deal. He loves to dress up in the Imperials, different stormtrooper armors, and be in disguise and go in as a spy. He does it all the time. He's got a f- whole collection of uh, helmets and armor kits, and some are painted by Sabine and whatever. So here he collects a, a, another biker scout kit. Um, uh, but because he's a cosplayer. Yeah, he big time. And he's got a lot of different options, too. He'd be great at a con. Um, this is a... F- Since we're talking about Thrawn, this is the first little indicator that he's about to pop up when, when Cham is telling Hera that 
um, their home city has been captured. Uh, that they that it's been it's under imperial occupation. He says I underestimated the commander, Captain Slavic. His previous atta- previous attacks were clumsy, but this one was swift, precise. Unlike him, he's made our home his headquarters. I'm afraid I couldn't get anything out. Uh, and the reason that it was so slick and Cham couldn't handle it is because we're about to find out here in a minute. It wasn't actually Captain Slavic. It was Thrawn who has come in. Um, to kind of get things under control. Um, and that's when we find out that along with their house in the town and whatever, they have the Sindula family Calicori, which is a totem passed down the line of a Twi'lek family. It honors all who have come before each parent adds to the history to include themselves. It's like this little T shaped thing. And it's got these little like kind of medallions or, charms or whatever that are are painted or designed and hang off of it uh and it's this like important family heirloom and it's so important to them that Hera's like i gotta go back in and get it um and they're gonna and the ghost crew all says well of course we're gonna go help you she says no you don't you don't have to whatever i'm i can't make you do this but she's gonna go in and get it ezra's in disguise the rest of them create a diversion, so she and Ezra slide in. They get the Calicori. They're on their way out, and Thrawn confronts them. This is when they finally, like, actually meet him face-to-face for the first time. Um, and there's a really great scene. This is, I think, we already talked about Thrawn last week. In the first two episodes, his, like, first appearance on screen, his reintroduction into canon, all that stuff. But he didn't really actually do that much. Um, in this episode, we get like a really, like a more in-depth feel for who he is and how he's thinking. And, and here when Hera and Ezra are trying to sneak out, uh, with the Calicori, they literally open a door and bump face to face with, um, Thrawn and, and, uh, Captain Slavic, who was the, the other Imperial commander there, um, and Captain Slavic thinks she's a, a servant, some kind of servant in the from this big mansion that they're in. He's like, "What are you doing up here? You're, you're not supposed to be up on this level. You're supposed to stay downstairs. Whatever, whatever." Um, and Thrawn, like you can tell if you've seen this show a few times, he already knows. Uh, but Hera's playing along with it. She's speaking in this thick French accent because Twi'leks sound like they're French? Question mark. I don't know. Yeah. No one knows why they just do. In uh, Unless they sound like cats in hiss, which one of them does on the Mandalorian, <laughs> it's also a weird thing. But maybe uh, that one one <laughs> Twilight was like weird. She, clearly, that, that's she just like on, one personal on kink for her. Yeah, that was yeah. just a weird thing that they like to do. That personal individual. But yeah, so Hera's she's leaning into it. She's like, "Yeah, I'm a sir. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't be up here." She's doing her French accent thing. And they pull her in, and he's like, "Oh, why did you? Why did you get that calicori? It was in my office." And he's, "Oh, just trying to steal it to sell it." And Thrawn's like, "Well, no. Why would she really be taking it? This is a family heirloom. It's not really worth money. It's worth. It's like sentimental value." Sentimental. And, uh, it's when when he said calicori, and and she knew that's when she knew she was screwed. Yep, he knew exactly what it was. Uh, they take him into his little kind of makeshift office he's set up, and he's got all the different artwork set up all around. She's got a, a family portrait of the Syndulas. 
and um, you realize that this guy knows what's going on. He he even says to Hera something about um, a war. It's all you've ever known, isn't it? Because and we know that Hera grew up during the Clone Wars. Her father was a freedom fighter during the Clone Wars, um, and he's kind of an older man now, and she's an adult. But this has sort of been his, been her whole life. And he says, war, it's all you've ever known, isn't it? You were so young when you survived the Clone War. No wonder you're as equipped in spirit to fight as well as you do. War is in your blood. And this is the kicker. Like He says to her, I study the art of war, work to perfect it. And that you can really see that. Like To him, it's... It, 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 it's like a, it's a discipline. It's like a game. It's like a, it's like an exercise. It's he's learning. He's maneuvering. He's playing chess. He's he never has a reaction. He doesn't get upset. He doesn't get he doesn't mistreat his opponents. Even like he's kind to Hera. He respects her. He even at the end of this episode, they technically probably could have shot down the ghosts, and he says, "Let them go." They earned this victory. He like to him, it really is like a battle of wits. Um, he's just kind of a, a different kind of opponent. Um, but he says, "I study the art of war. I work to perfect it, but you were forged by it." Uh, I think that's a really mm-hmm. cool thing, and it shows how much respect for her he has, just like as a as a person who grew up in this situation and as an adversary because she's also like an extremely capable tactician and pilot and and leader um but they're they're being held captive and um there's another little quick scene where the uh the one captain says something about you know, let's just kill her or something disparaging about her. I don't remember exactly, but Thrawn gets legitimately mad. He's not about that. He's not about like um, being petty or disrespectful. Like he's trying to gain knowledge. He's trying to get the upper hand. He's trying to make the smarter move. Um, But he really is just totally different than most of the other Imperials in almost every way. I think, like from his appearance to the way he treats his adversaries to his strategery to everything, you know, Uh, I think I know strategery is not a real word, by the way, I'm not an idiot, but um, so that's it. They're, they're held captive. The, the long of the short of it is um, he's holding them prisoner. He offers to exchange Hera and Ezra for Cham because uh, he knows that's kind of the better take. And secretly, Chopper sets up a bunch of explosives, which is like his favorite thing to do anyways, to blow stuff up and kill a bunch of people. <laughs> demo guy. What do you think he said to her when she said, uh, you know, take go to the armory and get these explosives? Like, I was just curious. I, was, I listened to it. I, I kept rewinding it back, see if I could kind of figure out, like, he was like, you know, that's my specialty. Like, like I, I, you know. <laughs> I, I, Captain. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. It's pro- murder, murder, murder. I love murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Let's yeah, do yeah. murder. <laughs> I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he sets up all those little bombs that he, he finds down in the, in the armory they have set up down in the basement or whatever. And right in the middle of the exchange, when, Hera and Ezra are walking towards the ghost and Cham is walking towards their their 
home or that's this fortress they have set up or whatever. They get about, they meet in the middle and Harris says, I'm sorry. And this was kind of funny because Cham says, oh, you don't have to feel bad. I even got captured myself once or twice. And she goes, no, not about that, about the house. And then <laughs> blew up their home um, and managed to escape. Everybody got away. And that's when Thrawn, who is watching this whole thing uh, from his Star Destroyer uh, to see how it all played out, uh, he watched them fly off and he said, you know, hold your fire. They earned their victory today. And he just kind of let him go because he felt like he had figured out what was going on. He, he learned what Hera was willing to do, what she was willing to sacrifice and not willing to sacrifice. And, um, I think he also was learning about that other captain that was there. Cause that's another thing that, um, Thrawn is always doing. He's not always, not only feeling out his opponents all the time, which he is, he's always trying to learn more about them. He, he'll he take a loss as long as he can get more information and, and feel like he has the upper hand the next time. Um, but he's also always feeling out his, quote, colleagues, you know, these other captains and admirals around him, testing what they would do, putting them in like kind of stressful situations. He does that in this next episode we're about to talk about. Um, but... I, He's here on Ryloth, and he was kind of figuring out how this other captain that was already there was reacting to stuff and how he was handling this exchange and all that. He that That's sort of why he's watching from afar and taking it all in. Um, and then he makes a better decision next time, and that's why he gets harder and harder and harder to get away from and beat as the series goes on. Mm-hmm. But that's the end of it. They fly off, and everybody's good to go. They're done. Yeah. I mean, I guess technically Ryloth is still under occupation but yeah <laughs> that's still not good but at least they got out of there um our main characters got away yeah yeah but we got a real um, taste of of thrawn in this episode and and who he is and um you know it, it's it's just really interesting because it, he's so cerebral he's just trying to always gain more information and he's using that information to inform his decisions. It's never, nothing's ever really with malicious intent. It's just all, it's logical and tactical. Yeah. Um, and you're right, Kyle. I, I don't, Thrawn never gets rattled in. I think the most that we ever see him get rattled is literally at the end of rebels. Um, when everything was going awry mm-hmm. and Ezra, outsmarted him and i think that was the most rattled we've ever seen him yeah. and it still was kind of very calm he was a little angered i think but um he, he just was he never gets upset with anything like yeah, uh, he even, even says it, it to admiral apart. price in an inside man that which is the third episode we were going to talk about but he's mm-hmm. like hey don't don't let your emotions dictate your reaction you know like that's mm-hmm. not a good way to make a good decision so. yep um, and all three of these are kind of independent episodes of each other. They're not linked together uh, in any way. They're just a, a different episodes that has Thrawn in it and kind of help define the character of who he is. So let's jump into um, Iron Squadron a little bit here and kind of talk about that one. Go ahead, Josh. I'm I'm really sorry. I I have a question. I feel like it's an important one. Um, it's not about Thrawn, but it is about the previous episode. Here we go. All right. No, no, no. Fine. It's not a bit. This, Go ahead. This isn't a bit. I know it sounds like I might be setting up a bit. So I, 
you know, I haven't watched, I haven't done as many rewatches as as you guys of these cartoons, and um, I forgot about basically that Chopper is a rescue. Mm-hmm. Like she found Chopper, and I'm like, do we have any backstory on Chopper other than that? Can we get? Let's get a book or some comics or something about the uh, Clone Wars adventures of Chopper. Like, there's so much unexplored territory. I don't think there is too much more. Very popular. No, I looked it up. There's nothing. That's that's the story. He was in a Y wing from the Clone Wars, and she rescued him. There's no. Yeah, she mentions that a couple times that she rescued him during the Clone Wars. It pops up like in passing a couple times, but I don't think there's any more. So yeah, in this episode, as they're going, Chopper also went into the, this, I don't, I don't want to call it their house. It's insane to call it the Syndulla's house. Cause it's like literally this giant mountain Palace. thing built <laughs> into the earth. Like it's stories and stories, but it, it's their home. So like wh- whatever, I don't know what to call it. I kind of felt like, I always felt like they were political leaders and that was, it was like a, I was thinking the about mayor's it, house like it or like something. Governor's mansion or whatever, yeah. you know, like, yeah. But Chopper was going in there with them, and he was also in disguise. He was painted up in in like imperial colors. They do that to him multiple times. Uh, they made a pop of it, and he stops on the way in at the site of the crash. And that's when Harris says that you know he gets a little funny here. That's that's where the Y wing crashed during the Clone Wars. My father left it there, and that's where I took chopper from so we know that Hera has had chopper since the clone wars she which was when she was just a small child um they've been together ever since. there's so much chopper backstory and mm-hmm. i feel like and Hera, at least the <coughs> excuse me the the lore reason for like droids having a lot of or the the legends ex- explanation for when droids have like a ton of personality like that is because they've been around forever with no memory wipes. So, I mean, it, mm. it, the implication being Chopper could be like really old. Yeah. Mm. And so. fear like presumably has never had a memory wipe for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. at least since the Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, um, one fun fact about Imperial disguised Chopper. Mm-hmm. Justin's favorite. Typical. Of Chopper. <laughs> Typical. It's funny in the uh, the Inside Man one that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. There's a comment when they um, find out that Callus is helping them and um, Chopper's there and Callus appreciate. He's like, "Oh, he says he doesn't need the codes." He's like, "This droid is incredible," and he's like, "Of course." And then Chopper gets all excited mm-hmm. because the Imperial is giving him kudos and he, nobody else does. He's like, I figures he would yeah, love that happens, the Imperial That guys. happens twice. Cause also when Callus is like, <laughs> trust me, Chopper's going, trust him, trust him. And he's yeah, yeah. He goes, your droid trusts <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, like, That's not a good <laughs> right. sign. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, I did go back cause I was like, well, okay, what position did Sham hold while there? And, and I had to think because he was in bad batch right before everything happened. It Cham's was just been in all general. the animation. Yeah, it was still only general in that because he was basically under Orn Frita um, in that episode. Um, and Orn had him speak to the people of Ryloth, but he was very 
uh, he was very politically active as a general um, in as part of the rebellion. So, but I don't know how that, that stands now, though, because this is much later than that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's here still he's just some kind of respected person because he's fought in two mm-hmm. wars or whatever now. But I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's dive into Iron Squadron, and I this this was probably my least favorite episode. Yeah, it's not of these it's three. not great it's <laughs> no um we do get to see a, a the yt2400 which is something only you care about yes very yeah. exciting <laughs> it's basically yeah. dash dash <laughs> radar's ship um but uh <laughs> that was the only version i think we've seen in non-video game um it's dash radar's ship mm-hmm. the yt2400 dash the, out, the outrider great value han solo mm-hmm this is a deep cut right here. <laughs> yeah, we can. Um, but yeah, so go ahead. We can knock this episode out pretty quick. There's not, Thrawn's not in this one a ton, a ton either. Um, the, I guess the main point here is that the Phoenix Squadron jumps into uh, my capo, which is a planet or star it's a planet that's being um taken over by the empire and the rebels are coming in to try and evacuate the rebel sympathizers uh before the full-on uh i don't know whatever imperial takeover yeah the occupation um and they come they they jump in right into the middle of a dogfight between the empire and this freighter um, the ghost clears path. Try to get them to jump away. They won't jump away. No, Iron Squadron does not run. We ain't no sissies. We're we're here. Uh, so the the freighter does this cool little move where they kind of like speed towards the Empire and release their cargo, and it just sort of floats towards them, and they have explosives in it, and it blows up. It's like a it's a decent move. Um, come to find out. Iron Squadron is Commander Sato's brother, who's dead, and was taken over by his son, who is Commander Sato's nephew. Commander Sato is one of the main leaders of the rebellion. He pops up in Rebels over and over and over and over. Uh, he's kind of a peer of Hera's, right? Are they, aren't they equal mm-hmm. on the uh, depth chart on the chain of command there? What's his? He's a he's what? commander. Aren't they both? He's a commander. Are they both she commander is, or is she a captain still now? She's a captain think, at this point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's probably ranking. Um, I rebel think, he, I think commander is one. I think commander is one up from captain. That makes sense. He's usually calling the shots for the fleet. Um, anyway, so it's his nephew that's out here leading the Iron Squadron, which really is just this one freighter with him and his two buddies. Um, so as they're trying to evacuate these people, Hera and Ezra and Sabine and Chopper, they um, connect this freighter to the ghost and they go over and they try to talk to these kids. Um, the, the freighter doesn't even have a functioning hyperdrive. Hera is trying to convince them like, Hey, just come back with us to Adelon. Um, but these three dumb kids are like, no, we are going to stay here and fight. This is our home. Yada, yada, yada. Then on the other side, a lot like Ezra early on. What'd you say? 
they sound a lot like Ezra early on with Lothal. Yeah. Versus where he is. And now. Ezra comes back with that later and so, sort of says that to them. And, you know, it's not a totally unrelatable thing. Like, it's just like any kid in high school whose parents are moving away. They don't want to leave their friends. They don't want to leave their hometown. They don't want to leave this everything they've always known. Like, I, it makes sense. Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I laughed pretty hard, though, when, when Zeb says, uh, sounds like a ship full of Ezra's. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, teenagers aren't always fun to be around. That's no I secret. I was like, man, I, I identify, with, I identify <laughs> yeah. with Zeb so hard right now. Because you're purple and hairy? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that'll do it. Um, So we're, they're trying to convince them to come back to Adelon. They're not having it. Their ship barely even works, but they're like, they're in it for the long haul. Thrawn is on the other side. He's uh, they're off doing their empire thing, trying to coordinate this takeover of um, whatever this planet is, my capo. And um, he's talking to whatever Admiral Constantine. And he says, all right, well, you're having this trouble there. It's just this one freighter. Uh, I'm going to send you to go take care of it. And you can tell he never says it. But you can just tell that Thrawn thinks this guy's a piece of shit. He thinks he's worthless. He's like, Constantine? yes. Yeah. He yeah. <laughs> has no respect for this guy, but he's doing his professional thing. He's like Admiral Constantine. I'm sure a single light cruiser should be enough for a man of your talents. Because Admiral Constantine was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send some ships and they'll go. And he's like, no, 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 no. You go take care of it with one light cruiser that should be fine let's see what you got (laughs) well and at this point hasn't constantine been around in the first two seasons and failed miserably with the same he screwed up everything over and over he's screwed up multiple times at this point so uh, yeah well that's sort of a a thing in the in the empire is like a lot of these high-ranking officers are politicians and people who have like positioned themselves to get this job and are not very good at it. And that's why Thrawn doesn't like these guys. He's got no patience for that. He, cause he doesn't care who you are. He just wants you to do a good mm-hmm. job and do what you're supposed to and be where you're supposed to be and like get it done and whatever. And so these people who are more worried about being promoted and uh, like being seen by the right people and having the right rank and all these things that a lot of Imperial officers are concerned about that's just not even on his radar and he doesn't even care. Um, so yeah, he has, he's, he's got no patience for Constantine and Constantine's shaking in his boots. He's already nervous, which is like, my goodness, you're an officer in the, uh, grand army, the grand Navy of the empire. And like, you're scared of one like one little freighter over this stupid mm-hmm. planet with three teenagers on it. This guy's a joke, whatever. He's a mess. Um, so it, he's, he's sending Constantine to go wipe these guys off and, and get things going over there. And Hera's ready to leave him. He's like, she's like, Look, they don't want to come. We're doing our job. We're going to get, get the people who want to go. And we're going to leave them. Ezra, Sabine, and Chopper, they want to go back for one more try to convince these kids or at least get their hyperdrive working so they got a chance to jump if they change their mind. Uh, Harris says, okay, but 
if it's time to go, it's time to go, and you leave them if they're not coming. Uh, you've got until whatever we do this last friggin' thing that we're doing, whatever plot point, it doesn't matter. Um, and the, you know, they fix the hyperdrive. They find that I can't remember the kid's name, Mart, Mart, like he actually diverted the power from the hyperdrive to their shields and, and guns. So they don't even have the option to use it. He kind of lied to his friends there. That's the first little chink in the armor. Go ahead. I love with that whole thing when they're like, well, let Chopper fix Chopper can fix it. Chopper can fix it. And then they finally, Chopper goes to fix it, and he's helping. And the one droid's, like, doing droidy things. And then mm-hmm. Chopper is literally just bonking just it with a hammer. banging on bonk, it, yeah. Bonk, <laughs> um, So, um, Mart Matten or whatever, is, this character is named after Matt Martin, mm-hmm. the, who works at Lucasfilm or whatever, so... Yeah, that's I why his, his name is Mart and not like Mark Mart. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Ezra's giving him the hard sell. This is when he's telling him like, hey, I get it. I didn't want to leave my hometown either. I, it was, I wanted to help. I wanted to stay and fight. Uh, but you can't do anything here. You're just going to get killed. Come join us. How we choose to fight is just as important as what we fight for. Um, and that's sort of their whole thing. Um, so... They, uh, he finally quote agrees to leave. And as they're all, uh, leaving, Mart, of course, is the last one to come up and like, Hey, come on, Mart, we got to go. The empire's here. They're going to blow us up, whatever. And he shuts the airlock. Uh, so his friends are off with Ezra and Sabine in the phantom and he's still there and off they go. They had to leave him. They were under attack and they, you know, had to get away. So the empire basically uses him to set a trap. They're surrounded him. They've put a little mine on his ship and they wait for the, um, rebels to come back and save him because Thrawn knows that they don't leave people behind like that. And of course they didn't. Um, Harris says she'll go back and get him. Commander Sato because commander Sato is too far away. So they jump in, they you know, distract the, the, the tie fighters that are circling around the droids go and disconnect the, the mine that they planted on, on his ship as a, as like a trap. Um, because that was Constantine's thing. He's trying to like show off and get a two for one and and be the big man and like, wait till they connect and we're going to blow them both up at the same time. Um, but he fumbled the ball. They, they moved the, the mine, um, dropped it off of the ship. So they couldn't blow him up and they connected to the ghost and jumped out of there. And Constantine was left like, you know, twiddling his own thumbs. He tried to call, uh, Thrawn and be like, Hey, we drove all the rebels out of the system. And Thrawn again was not having his BS was like, you mean they all escaped perfectly fine. Uh, and like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, and that's about it. He got away. They all got away. Uh, Thrawn was testing Constantine's metal and he was an absolute failure on his part. Um, Commander Sato did show up at the very last second there um, to kind of create a gap for the ghost to get away. And then the whole fleet jumped out and 
there was a nice little family reunion back on Adelon there <laughs> with the Sato and, and Mart there. And the Iron Squadron is now part of Phoenix yep, Squadron. They're in the, they're in the yep, crew. They're in the fold. They're in the rebellion. Um, and scene. Let's go to the next episode. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, I mean it's um, it's not that great. It was yeah. it's okay. You get a yeah. little bit of like political maneuvering with Thrawn and stuff, and um, yeah, it was just a whatever a little standalone. I think he's kind of poking at product too to see what the actual reach of the mm-hmm. Ghost and the Rebels crew is at this point. Like how how like where are they going to? How far are they moving? Who are they helping? He's trying to put that. How long does it take webbing people to get together? Places? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's he's feeling them out too a little bit here. It cracked me up in this episode. There was one moment where they like transitioned from Th- Thrawn, like, or from something else into Thrawn, and it was like went into Thrawn and Thrawn said something, and it went like did this Da-da! like this like spooky organ music, and I was like, is he a vampire? Like. <laughs> What he could be? What are they, I've never what are seen they him eat anything. Here? Yes. Yeah, his his that theme music kind of harkens to that, Hans. Huh? Is the organ music? Yeah, it's, um, he's spooky. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. So let's dive into Inside Man because Inside Man is this one's a good one. Yeah, this is a really good episode. And this, you know, we kind of talked a little bit last week. I said Thrawn was kind of a ruthless uh individual and yes he does things for military tactics and to get to the root of things in this episode he straight up kills people in front of the workers in well, this I think it goes station. to show you how seriously he takes this tie defender project correct yeah um yep. and this and, is something and the inefficiencies of hiring uh, locals are trying to get locals to do this work and not people who are well, dedicated to the cause, I guess. Well, and just like this was, this is such an important thing that we shouldn't have taken any kind of risks. Um, but yeah, this, this kind of brings together a lot of stuff we've talked about. This has, um, Thrawn and Ezra and Hera and Sabine, of course, who we've all know now from the Ahsoka show. Um, we're back on Lothal and we're we're first getting introduced to this Tide Defender project that we've talked about on this show multiple times. Um so again, this show this episode is just a one off like the other two we were talking about. It's a one and done. Uh we're on Lothal. We've got like Ezra and Kanan up on some roof and we're waiting for uh Ryder. Uh Ryder, we also saw in live action and I think the very first episode of Ahsoka, right? Is that when they did the he did the speech thing and we're trying to get Sabine to come to it and she never came to it. Um yeah. but yeah, so we saw Ryder, same actor, voiced the character in Rebels, uh, but we're waiting on him. Just think about this. Has there ever been another person in Star Wars animation who where they made them look um where where the the character has to exist in animation first. So it can't be like someone who is also live action. Um where the character looks like the voice actor. Yeah, Bo-Katan. Um and so <laughs> You don't think Bo-Katan Katie- looks like Katie Sackhoff? Does Katie Sackhoff have a red bob? She does in the well. show. <laughs> I think they look alike. 
I, you're you're talking like the actor actor, not like yeah. how they're styled and and costumed in the show live action show. Um, I mean that minus the hairstyle, the face is the same. Like I don't see a difference there. Um, but yeah, Ryder Azadi looks just like the real life guy who plays him. Pretty close. His head's not quite as tiny. I think on the animated show, he's got like a weird, really weirdly proportioned body uh, to head ratio. Yeah, he's got a giant body and a little tiny pinhead. But um, (laughs) yeah, they do definitely have the same hair color. Um, But yeah, they're waiting on him and he comes speeding up on a speeder already in pursuit and they just jump onto it and they're already like coming in hot, you know, lightsabers out, they're deflecting blaster bolts, whatever, trying to escape. And um, they say, you know, I don't, I don't think we can outrun these speeder bikes and Ryder says we won't have to outrun them. We just got to get them up to 190. And once they get these bikes going fast enough. They overheat and explode, and we find out. Eighty-eight miles an hour. Yeah, exactly. That once they hit eighty-eight, then they go. Um, they activate the flux capacitor and they time. go back in time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, once they hit one ninety, which seems very fast, but they don't say one ninety what, so we don't know what distance in what amount of time. But once they hit one ninety of those distances in some amount of time, the speeder bike explodes. And Ryder explains to them that they've got some inside men and maybe women. I don't know. We didn't see any women on screen, but could be uh, in the factory that are sabotaging Imperial equipment. So these bikes are blowing up. We see uh, one of the walkers falls over, um, but they're just making stuff not work, which you love to see it power to the people you know um and the ghost crew is in town because they heard that there is a new weapon in development on lothal um and they're trying to figure out what this is all about so they can convince these rebel cells to attack the factory on lothal um Again, I feel like we've talked about this on the show, but in case you've missed it, Lothal is like the main center point of Rebels. We come back to it over and over again. Thrawn even says that in this episode, I think. They have a connection to this place. They always return, talking about Lothal. Um, And that's because, one, Ezra is from here. Um, But this is also like an important planet to the Empire because it's rich in uh like resources um and they use those to make things they make speeder bikes they make walkers they make tie defenders they make all kinds of military equipment here there's factories there's mining um so it's it's just important to the empire in general so and to put it into like layman's terms because we're we're uh, making the, these episodes to like help the live action people know why they should watch Rebels. Uh, Lothal is to Rebels what Tatooine is to the Mandoverse. To everything else, really. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. Although, I keep going back there. No disrespect to Tatooine, or maybe some, but like, there's way less going on on Tatooine than there is on Lothal. <laughs> like Lothal has big cities and like 
they mine metal and like Tatooine is a desert. Hard stop. I mean, they keep finding stuff to do there, but it's no Lothal. Lothal has parades and stuff, factories. But yes, as a, as a center point for the story, I'll give you that. Did they have pod mm-hmm. racing <laughs> on Lothal? That I don't know. Good question. Yeah, yeah. The pod race it seems like what? Whatever. Yes, there is pod racing on Tatooine. Um. So. Since we're here on Lothal to gain information about what this new weapon system is, anyone have a guess what Ezra's going to do? He's going to put on a disguise and go in undercover. So he and Kanan dress up as factory workers, and they go in. Uh, But the day, the very day that Kanan and Ezra show up to the factory to be workers, Thrawn also shows up to the factory and it's like, Hey, how come the stuff that comes out of this factory doesn't work? And the stuff that comes out of all the other factories works, works. So he's got the speeder bike up on the tester and he says, Hey, who built this bike? And one of the people we already know, I think his name was Sot, Mr. Something with an S. I can't remember his name. Mr. Something. It was Ezra's Sumar, friend. Sumar. Sumar. Uh, Sumar, yeah. Yeah, so. Knew his parents. Yes, Sumar, friend of Ezra, friend of Ryder, friend of the whole Ezra family, whatever. Bridger. Um, Sumar made this bike. So Thrawn says, all right, you made the bike. You check the bike. Get on it. To get it up to full speed as fast as you can. It starts to overheat. And he's like, oh, I can't, can't. It's overheating. And Thrawn's like, nope. Test isn't over and makes it keep going. It heats all the way up and it explodes. And he says, from now on, you make it, you test it. And uh, I think everybody's butthole probably puckered up real tight right then because they knew they've been up to no good. Um, But I think he's right. That is probably a really effective way to get a firm handle on quality control, which was spiraling out of control at this particular facility. But, you know, he talks with you see him walking away and he's talking to Price. And I think the like the larger point to him is like we have got to secure this tie defender program because up till now we they've been talking about secure a two secure a two. Don't let anybody in a two. Don't let anybody, something's going on in a two. Like we keep hearing this a two, a two, a two. And then during this conversation, Thrawn clues us in. Yes, that's where this new project is. My new, uh, he said, I can't remember. Did they say ship? I don't want to say, think they said ship. Maybe they said fighter, whatever. But Callus was there and he's like, wait, what are we talking mm-hmm. about? And they tell him we're making this tie defender. It's got, uh, shields, it's got hyperdrives. It's the real bee's knees. Uh, but it's top secret. And the, and Thrawn's saying that's why we can't be having these people getting away with, uh, the sabotaging because we got to tighten things up. We got to know who we're dealing with. We can't let these riffraff in. We got to lock down the areas, yada, yada, yada. That's why he's on site anyway. Uh, I think if it weren't for these tie defenders, he's not just showing up to a random factory because people are making speeder bikes blow up. There's a, a tester later on that he, um, asks about the, ATST, mm-hmm. like the the chicken walkers and he's like oh did you do the qc work on this and he's like yeah i did and then 
He's like, all right, we'll move. He goes, uh, Callus, move it forward. And he starts walking it, it forward and the thing over, just like, yeah. they moved out of the way and it just falls over. And at that point he looks at the two stormtroopers behind the guy and just like, yeah, go ahead, shoot him. And like they blast him and he's like, here's why you have to understand these mm. things can't happen. Like if we're going to build this top secret ship, y'all need to have the right people. That's like exactly right. This cannot yeah. happen. Well, yeah. it's funny too. They're dragging that guy away. and He's like, no, it's the one next to it. I did the one next to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next to it, Too late, man. <laughs> too late. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, he's, he's not real happy with that at all. And it's, it's cool to me to see that Thrawn, he already knows. You know what I mean? Like, by the time he's asking the question, he already knows the answer. He almost is never asking people, I shouldn't say almost never, but in these situations where he's in front of all the people like this, he knew that walker was going to fall over. He knew that guy made it. That's why it was all, it all happened that way. Mm-hmm. He knew the one that was up on the, the speeder bike that was up on the tester was going to blow up. He knew who made it. He mm-hmm. probably knew that the guy who made it was working for the rebellion. He, be, he's just so far ahead of everyone. You know what I mean? And he's just proving a point he, to his inferiors at, at, at this point. Cause he had asked Sumar in the beginning before he even, he's, cause he walked up to him and he's like, said his number or whatever. And he's like, you were pushed into service by the empire, weren't you? And he's like, yeah, I mm-hmm. was basically put into this job when my farm was seized. And so he, he knew every worker in that, that field other than Ezra and Kanan who were there like that day. Uh, Justin, you called it an ATST. It's actually a ATDP and all terrain oh, defense that's right. pod. That's right. Call it that. It was the that early episode. version. <laughs> Yep. Um, we get a cool little scene after after right after he explains about the the this is the same factory where they're building the tie defenders and they've got to keep everything under lockdown or whatever. Um, he goes into his office and we're looking at Sabine's um, Phoenix, um, and he's talking to Callus about it, and we we see that uh. Callus knows what he's talking about. He that's the Phoenix. We they leave it everywhere, you know, represents all these things, whatever. You know, watch the episode. I'm not gonna tell you every single thing. Whatever. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't write it down. Uh and that's when Callus tells him, you know, the rebels have a connection to this place. They always return. Um, and they're after information. And they're likely headed to section A two. And he like he already knows what's up. They told him, like, yeah. You know, we're missing a couple people. He's like, oh, well, yep, that's the Rebels. And I know they're already headed to this place. And we already locked it down. But you're already going to miss them. Like, he he just, he knows what's going on. And he's not, like... You know what he's got? Doesn't let him get all... Doesn't let it fluster him. Mm-hmm. He's got double vision. Double vision. Double, no, he doesn't. <laughs> he's not a Force user. Whatever. Um, but they... they hey, do, uh, so the Ahsoka show read wrote... Force lore. Everyone gives a Jedi if they try hard enough. You believe in yourself. <laughs> Look, don't be that guy. Okay, that's not exactly how that went down. But, um, so yeah, Kanan and Ezra they sort of break off from the the rest of the crew because they're about to get interviewed. Because, uh, like Thrawn said, like this is no good. We got all these Yahoos. We don't know what's what. So they're trying to check everybody. Um, so they sneak off cause they know their creds are no good. And again, 
beat up some stormtroopers and take their helmets and armor so they can sneak around and they're trying to get this information um about the tie defender so they get they get Choppa, uh, whatever key card to get in, and he sneaks in and copies a little thing, and they're trying to escape, and that's right at the same time when Thrawn is figuring out that hey, we've got these rebels in here, and they probably went to A two, and they they put everything on a complete lockdown. Um, this is when if you are like a big Rebels fan, you this was like a jaw dropping kind of shocker of a moment because Ezra and Kanan run into um, a turbo lift elevator to try and escape, and they run straight into Callus. They're in costume, they're in disguise, they've got their helmets on, so they're trying to be cool. Uh, but Callus knows who they are right away, and he says, "Don't move, Rebels." And of course, at this time, this show was actually on TV and there was commercials and stuff, commercial break, whatever, build suspense. Um, but they get into a quick little elevator fight and he says, hey, I'm Fulcrum. And then he drops the uh, the secret passcode by the light of Lothal's moons. And we find out that Agent Callus, who's been one of the main dun, dun, bad dun. guys murdered all of the Lasats. That's Zeb's people, the giant purple guy, um, is a double agent. He's the inside, he's the titular inside man. Well, one of a few inside men, I guess, but uh, he's a full-on double agent for the Rebellion. He got turned a couple seasons ago by Zeb um, inadvertently that's again you gotta watch it you gotta learn some of these things for yourself that's another great episode it's heart uh really really heartfelt it'll warm warm up your insides um so he helps these guys break out they put in a call to their friends on the outside uh he helps them you know the comms have been jammed obviously that's the first thing you always do in any sci-fi slash uh space ship scenario you gotta jam the comms so whatever Callus is helping them get a message out to Ryder and the rest of their people um, so they can create a diversion on the outside and escape. And they do just that. And now um, the rebellion has the plans for this tie defender. And they realize that if they make a whole bunch of these things, they are effed. And that's about it. Um, this episode was tense. Just this is a great episode. You get like because the, tons of tons of like lar- information that really informs the larger re- rebellion and and um the story. I think. Yeah, and how I mean how it was written, and especially at the end when you're getting that dialogue between um Callus and Thrawn and Price, and he's alluding to the spy. It's just mm-hmm. it how it was written was very well, and it's very tense because he's like. You have a feeling like he kind of already knows. Yeah, you have Callus, to see that but now he's like fishing him out. Yeah, and the more yeah. you know about Thrawn, the more you know. Like he's always a step ahead, and so if you watch this episode, like there's times when he's walking down the line of these factory workers, and they've got these masks on, but he stops right in front of Ezra, and he just waits for a minute and kind of looks at him, and you're like, man, he knows, doesn't he? Because he knows who mm-hmm. all these people are, and he probably knows who the two people who 
are who he doesn't recognize, and then he probably knows that rebels are going to try and break in to get information about this, like, did he know right then and there that that was him probably, and he was just waiting to see how this played out? When he, when he and Governor Price realized later in the episode that the rebels didn't do exactly what he expected. So they must have had help from someone on the inside to get a message to the outside. That means there must be a spy. And he starts making all these like kind of sideways comments to Callus, who we know is the spy. Like, does he already know he might, does he just have a good mm-hmm. idea and he's trying to see how Callus responds? That's probably like a little more likely, but it's just so interesting to see because he doesn't come right out and say what he's thinking, but you can tell there's just like so much more going on. And I mean, for an animated mm-hmm. show, that's crazy that they're able to pull that off. Yeah. One thing I realized in this episode that I had never really thought about before, and it makes me like Thrawn less as a character. Oh, here we go. What is it? What? <laughs> he's the ultimate micromanager. He really is a bit of a micromanager. Yeah, he is, that. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean literally, I mean, they were having production issues at a plant on a, what, I mean, backwater, or yeah. you think Lothal's relatively backwater planet? Uh, I mean, I think and, it's sort of pivotal to their, maybe like their military industrial complex okay but either way the highest ranking member of the military is coming down to do line checks yeah i I mean well one you got to consider like his level of competency is just so much higher than his underlings like maybe he just feels like they truly can't be trusted to do anything but yeah he does seem to have his his hands on it on every bit of everything that's happening. But also this is his baby too. It's not just like any factory. It's the factory where they're making his tie defenders. And I think that's the real cornerstone of it. Like if this one, I think the, and he elaborates on this more throughout the, the series, but I think Thrawn firmly, fully hundred percent believes that if this TIE Defender program is successful, if the Emperor buys into it and they mass produce these things, they win the war 100%. They crush the rebellion. There's nothing they can do about it. He's probably right. So I think he's mm-hmm. like really putting all his eggs in this basket like, do not mess this up. And I, I think it's not the the speeder bikes blowing up. It's the speeder bikes blowing up that are being made in the same factory as his tie defenders that he cares about. Yeah, you're right. I didn't think mm-hmm. about that. That that does make a lot more sense why he'd be checking in. This uh, this uh, s- scenario is one of my like uh a what if headcanon thing that I think about from time to time. Like what if the Phoenix Squadron didn't blow up that factory allowing the Death Star to take precedence? Because mm-hmm. you know the Defender Project was, or if what a, so, Price was so smart it, enough it, to not blow up her own factory to kill right. one person, you know? Yeah, yeah. and I think yep. I think I mean I think the war maybe the rebellion still wins, but I think the war is much more protracted, even with Kanan still being alive. 
They might not have been that, able to win. That's the train the trade off that you get. You mm-hmm. have the tie defender instead of the Death Star, but you don't but Kanan is still alive as well, so mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean that it's, it's when you if you really, really, really know Star Wars, there's a whole lot of little instances where like, man, if this one thing went different, it would have totally changed, you know, the whole trajectory of this fictional universe, you know. Yeah, it's um you're I mean because you got to figure if the tie defender program is successful, right? Then more plants pop up on multiple planets and they just start mass producing these things on planets that have the right resources and it's just a numbers game at that point and the rebellion is quickly overwhelmed by numbers where I think they were by the empire in general anyway, but the death star production kind of narrowed it down to, Hey, we got to defeat this one giant thing. Well, and think about it. Has a, put all their eggs in, in one basket. A tie, to, yeah, a, a tie yeah. fighter is a one shot kill. You know, you hit it one time and it explodes. They've got no shields. Like you, you one shot. Like if you put shields on yep. those things, their numbers, all of a sudden that becomes insurmountable. You know, and a hyperdrive yeah. escapability. Yeah, it's yeah. just not. They would have. It would not have worked. <clears throat> nope, it's crazy. All right. Um, anything else we want to add on uh, these three episodes? Three very good. Well, two very good yeah, episodes. You can skip Iron Squadron. One, but the <laughs> other two are real good. Yeah, the other two are solid. Um, Harris Heroes season three, episode five. Inside Man season three, episode ten. Um, and then Iron Squadron, if you want to watch it, season three, episode eight. That one also has um, the least else? amount of Thrawn and Hera and and Sabine, who are the characters that you know you're going to be familiar with if you've been watching the live action stuff. So those yeah. other two are yeah. are, uh, are really good though, and they are um, single shots. Like you can watch mm-hmm. them and enjoy them with you know, and mostly know what's going on without having to watch anything else. Yep. All right. Anything else guys? No. Good to go. All right. Well, let's wrap this up and you're all clear kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. We continued our Thrawn deep dive uh, with three episodes from Rebels featuring Thrawn and how we're tying that back into the Ahsoka series and who he is. Um, hope you guys have enjoyed that. Um, my name is Justin. Um, you can find me on Twitter at I am the Bendu. You can find Outer Rim Beacon anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, you can find us anywhere on social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you know, if you're if you're new to the show, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, welcome back. Um, it, it, you know, it's holiday season. People got stuff, you know, they're chilling at home, wrapping presents. Suggest the show. If they're a Star Wars fan, say, hey, I got a good podcast for you to listen to. You should check these guys out and uh, have them like, subscribe, leave us a comment. So um, where are they going to find you guys at on the social media? This is Josh. I'm on Instagram and X. Formerly known as Twitter at Battle of Tanab. X gonna give it to you. This is Kyle and I am KB underscore legend on all the social media. 
Hope everybody had a good holiday. Um, Cyber Monday. Uh, get out there, find some deals, get some good Star Wars stuff, um, and do something Star Warsy. May the Force be with you. Always. 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 Bye. Bye.